You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1204 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast. Make a Lockdown Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our YouTube channel, which is now up and running, which you can see me live on right now if you'd like to be watching this podcast. With that said, the Atlanta Hawks go into Detroit and fall flat in this spot, a final score of 122 to 101 in favor of the Pistons and a bad loss for sure for Atlanta, especially when you realize the Hawks led this game in the first half. And even at halftime, they're only down by a handful of points. They were competitive. They had a chance to come back. And in the third quarter, the floodgates absolutely opened against Atlanta and all of the hope was pretty much lost in a hurry. In this spot, Hawks had a chance to get over 500 for the first time since December 6th. It's been 107 days since the Hawks were above 500. And uh, that now evaporates for at least two more at least two more games. They've now lost to the Pistons twice on the road in the last 16 days as the favorite in both games. And really, the third quarter was disastrous is the, is the right word, I guess, for that performance in the third quarter. But uh, they tried to fight back from there. It was pretty much uh, dead in the water at that stage. And we'll get into all of what transpired here, but certainly a loss that will be remembered in a negative fashion. And the only real bright spots in this one were some opportunities for Jalen Johnson to play. That was kind of the headliner on the on the positive side. But other than that, not a whole lot to be positive on on this particular podcast. With that said, we'll get into the game as we always do, and we always uh, try to take no, day, no days off on this show whenever we can. We sort of dive into the context and the analysis and the evaluations, etc. And we'll do we'll do that here. It is worth at least pointing out once or twice the Hawks were a back to back in this game with travel. Now I already said. Earlier in the podcast, this is a game in which there are not excuses to have this bad of a performance. I think the Hawks losing this game in competitive fashion would have been not great, but would have been at least explainable. Getting blown out is not explainable. I want to be very clear about that. But it was a difficult set to catch back for the Hawks overall. The rest edge for the Pistons, they did not play last night. Home court for the Pistons, of course. And the Hawks have now lost, sorry, they've now failed to win back-to-back road games since December 6th and December 15th. So every time they try to win two games in a row on the road, they fall short. And the Pistons, by the way, were only one in six in between the games against the Hawks. So Detroit has been more competitive recently. They got some plaudits from Nate McMillan after the game. They are athletic. They are fairly talented in some ways. But make no mistake, this is a bad team that the Hawks were playing against. Yes, it was on the road. Yes, it was a rest disadvantage for the Hawks in this game. But it's still a bad opponent, and they got blitzed in the second half of this one. Injury-wise, the Hawks were not in quite as bad of a shape as they could have been in this game, but still pretty shorthanded in some respects. Bogdanovich was listed as questionable with right knee soreness coming in, ended up playing, did not have his best game by any means. A lot of guys did not have their best games in this game, to be very fair to him. But he ended up playing. The Hawks, though, were without Gallinari, who missed this game, Lou Williams, who missed this game, Skylar Mays with a non-COVID illness missed this game, and of course John Collins remains out. So the Hawks were pretty shorthanded and had to go in their bench a little bit deeper than usual. But even with Detroit missing some guys, et cetera, the Hawks were, by tip-off, with Bogdanovich playing, five-and-a-half-point favorites, according to our friends at BattleLine.net. So that is pretty rough. Uh, needless to say, the Hawks were favored solidly, and they were the better team. Even with the injuries, even with the context, the Hawks have a better roster, top to bottom, and 
almost more importantly, the Hawks have a lot more to play for than the Pistons do. I know this has been a maddening season for the Hawks overall, but Pistons are playing for ping pong balls, and the Hawks are trying to compete for playoff playoff positioning, and uh, that was not evident in this game. So we'll get into what transpired now. They started TLC at the, for- at the forward spot next to Hunter. His first start since January 12th. I'll go ahead and do this now. Uh, there's this weird backlash against TLC in the fan base. I'm not saying he played well. He didn't. Most guys didn't play well. But uh, if you think TLC was the problem tonight, I have some bad news for you. He was not the problem in this game. Uh, and really, what it comes down to is Nate is very big on keeping guys in roles. Obviously, no one, including Nate, believes that TLC is better than Bogdanovich or better than DeLon Wright. So starting him does not mean he thinks that. But Nate is a big, is a big fan of keeping guys in, in their roles. And that's why TLC started in both halves of this game. He actually had two fouls early on. They had to bring Bogdanovich in earlier than they, than they wanted to. The Hawks did start out pretty cold from the floor. They were 0 of 6 from the field. It didn't score for like two and a half minutes. They got going a little bit from there. They actually had DeAndre Hunter, who did not play great in this game. I thought he had some nice moments early on. He actually slipped two screens in a row early in this game, playing the four as more of a role man than he has been at times. It kind of went away later on, later on in the game, but that was an interesting sort of wrinkle the Hawks threw at the Pistons. Um, I thought Capella struggled by his standards in this game for sure, but it was kind of funny to mention that he actually missed his first five shots. In fact, his only five shots in the game from the floor, but he was on, on, on the offensive glass in a big way. And of course, as soon as he went to the bench, the Hawks got killed on the defensive glass, which has been a theme throughout the season. Um, but rotationally, it was Bogdanovich first, then Akongwa as usual, then DeLon Wright. But in a, not a huge surprise, but certainly a notable, uh, mild surprise, they used Jalen Johnson as the ninth man in this game. And obviously, when it, once it became garbage time in the fourth quarter, he would have, he would have been playing anyway. But I was encouraged to see, and I talked about this before the game started on Twitter and other places, like, look, this is a good spot to play Jalen Johnson. When you're competing with Kevin Knox in terms of playing time, I understand the TLC thing. Put that aside for now. Um, I, I assumed and was correct in assuming that TLC was going to play, but there was still a ninth spot available because Gallo was out in this game, and I thought it was going to be either Jalen Johnson or it would be Gorgie Jang or Kevin Knox. And it ended up being, being Jalen Johnson. And honestly, there was lots of positives from Jalen. It wasn't flawless. I understand Hawks fans are over the moon just seeing him out there. And listen, he does pop off the screen as an athlete. He's physical. He is uh, certainly um, explosive on the floor. And his early buckets were pretty. He had a nice, a nice driving bucket of a pass by Trey on his first minute when he was out there. Uh, he had a nice back cut later in the quarter for a layup as well. He had a great finish on the law from Magdanovich. Um, so lots of good stuff in his profile. Of course, on the flip side, I am contractually obligated to point out that he was pretty bad on defense in this game. And this is the thing I've been saying for a long time. This is, on some level, me having an educated guess. But knowing Nate and knowing the situation, I think the reason, and I've said this before on the podcast, but if you're a new listener, you might not have heard this, the reason why he does not play is defense, not offense. And I know people don't really care about that. Defense is always undervalued, underdiscussed. But rookies generally are bad on defense, flat out. And then you have a coach in McMillan that definitely values defensive reliability more often. Like we saw him play Solomon Hill a ton last year for the same reasons when Hawks fans didn't always love seeing Solomon Hill play um, this year, same thing with TLC and even Knox, who's probably a little bit more reliable on defense than Jalen is at this point in time. So it was sort of the full experience. The offensive end of the floor was very, very encouraging and overall a very encouraging night for Jalen on the whole, but defensively there were some pretty obvious breakdowns from him. They played some zone, which I thought was actually interesting to kind of throw out there. I thought it was pretty clear that they prepped him to play in this game. He was prepared to go out and play the zone. They they slipped some screen on on offense. He was pretty timid and pretty passive at times. And that's to be expected. He hasn't played in the rotation for a long time. In fact, this is his career high in minutes in this game by a pretty decent margin. So it was a, it was a, it was a lot to go into about his performance, 
But, and we'll come back to it later on as well with some individual player observations. But I think that on the whole, it was kind of like you saw what you wanted to see from Jalen Johnson. And I mean that in every possible way between the Hawks playing him, which I think is a good thing. And I would have played him in this game. It's a good opportunity to have him play on with fresh legs. I guess a pretty bad opponent in Detroit. And honestly, I would have played him before this game, but we've got to leave that aside for now. And also offensively, you saw the finishing, you saw the burst. And then defensively, if you don't care about defense, you didn't notice it or you didn't care. It, or if you're trying to watch every possession on defense, you notice that he's a rookie who has a breakdown. So it's kind of the entire scale from Jalen, which is what I expect. Not a bad thing at all. And I think, again, encouraging on the whole, but that's where we are for now. Anyway, the Hawks were actually leading this game by five points in the first quarter, which is pretty funny. They had, they had a 135 offensive rating in the game. Now, later on in this spot, just remember when I talk about the bad numbers for the entire game on offense, and then remember the Hawks scored 31 points and had a very, very good offensive efficiency number in the first quarter. So that's how that's how bad they were the rest of the game. From there, um, a pretty bad start to the second quarter overall by the Hawks, a 13-3 run by the Pistons to have them take the lead. The Hawks turned the ball over three times in the first 90 seconds. The Pistons scored eight points on the first three possessions. Boogie got a flagrant foul. The Hawks missed six shots in a row, and that was kind of a preview of what transpired later on. I liked, actually, that they went to Bogdanovich and Herter when Trey went to the bench, but it did not help things in that spot. They struggled mightily on offense when Trey went up the floor. They scored eight points in like five and a half minutes without Trey. That's kind of to be expected, but also pretty rough. They were down 11. Detroit scored 28 points in the first eight and a half minutes of the second quarter. And, and I checked this and actually tweeted it out. At that point, down 11, the Hawks were still favored in the game. But like two minutes later, when they were down by eight or eight, I believe it was eight or nine points late in the first, they were small underdogs. And that told you the story at that point in time. So they actually got to stop. And then Trey beat the buzzer in transition at the end of the, at the half to go out into halftime only down, and I say only with uh, scare quotes, only down by eight at the halftime break. But the second quarter was very gross. Now, obviously, it got worse somehow for Atlanta, but second quarter, they shot seven of 23 from the floor with six turnovers. That is very, very rough. They hit five threes to kind of build themselves out a little bit, but at the half, even with an awesome first quarter, they had 51 points on 50 possessions. That's a very, very bad ratio. Defensively, it wasn't quite as bad, but you're still down by nine points. Now, I have to be honest. I thought at halftime, the Hawks were okay in shape now were they going to win we'll see at that stage and obviously they didn't but i thought they were like all right kind of a coin flip at that point being down eight as the better team on the road having a lot having a lot to play for etc but i was obviously wrong about that we'll touch on all of that in a second because the third quarter if you didn't see this game and i can't imagine if you didn't see the game that you're listening to this podcast but if you are if you are i think you're supporting the show that's for sure but as you look ahead the third quarter out of the gate was an absolute catastrophe before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Do you realize why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Do not let corporations pocket your money out of their own greed. Instead, download Truebill to control all of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or that you don't need or even forgot about entirely. And on average, people spend $720 per year using Truebill. Truebill makes things that honestly can be very difficult and incredibly simple because canceling subscriptions can be difficult. And that's on purpose by companies. If With Truebill, though, you can link your accounts together. Truebill cancels those unwanted subscriptions at just one tap. And as someone who manages a ton of subscriptions, keeping up with all the sports stuff in my life, I can tell you that Truebill is awesome, and I highly recommend it. As more than 2 million users, Truebill has helped people save more than $100 million already. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It can save you up to thousands of dollars each and every year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
Today's show is also sponsored by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the official licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports and a way to upgrade your personal experience as an NBA fan. It's the future of what an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards. It's also part soft market for NBA and fantasy sports. And it's honestly kind of an online loyalty program for the NBA. Investors include Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, not to mention Will Smith. There was lots of NBA players involved in the community as well, like Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, and Harrison Barnes. People ask all the time why people would buy a highlight when I could watch it on YouTube for free. It's not just about that. It's about having an ownership stake in what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. This is the opening tip off of the digital age, and NBA... Officially licensed NFT will be a big part of that digital age. Imagine when NFTs are even the mainstream on social media. Signing up for Top Shot today is the best way to start by getting yourself a starter pack. Pull an NFT of a superstar like, like LeBron or KD or Trey Young or star rookies like Kay Cunningham or Evan Mobley for just $9. And if you don't pull your favorite player from that starter pack, snag most from the marketplace that absolutely appeal to you. Challenges are also a great way to earn exclusive moments NFT rewards. Complete challenges to unlock exclusive moment NFTs, and you treat Top Shot like a best of, fam- of daily fantasy sports. Top Shot's moments get you access to events and can be used in fantasy minigames on a regular basis. Top Shot is fantastic. Once again, it's the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Check it all out today at NBA Top Shot. Okay, so the third quarter on the whole was bad, uh, but the start of the third quarter was the worst Maybe worst section of the of the season in terms of like an eight minute stretch by the Hawks. I don't want to be overstating it. I don't like to be hyperbolic on this podcast, but in terms of like performance adjusted for opponent, adjusted for situation and urgency, the Hawks in the first six, seven, eight minutes of the third quarter was flat out embarrassing. So at the outset, they scored actually back to back times, first two possessions of the, of the uh, third quarter, but they allowed sixteen points on the first seven possessions. So that's more than two points per possession to the Pistons. And suddenly, with haste, they were down by 20 and having to call timeout. Now, from there, they brought in some subs. They brought in Bogdanovich earlier than usual, trying to stop the bleeding a little bit. That did not help at all. In fact, it was a 23-0 to run by the Pistons. So the Hawks were down by six after they scored the first two, first two trips of the, of the third quarter. And the Pistons scored the next 23 points. That included lots of disasters on offense and defense. Trey got a technical foul for frustration. The Hawks at one point missed 13 consecutive shots. And while the defense was really bad in that stretch, the offense was just as bad. They scored four points in more than seven minutes of clock time with the starters on the floor. Like usually when they had that kind of drought, it's with Trey off, Trey off the floor. It's kind of explainable, et cetera. This time it's with Trey on the floor. They scored four points in seven and a half minutes. Just a disaster. The Hawks had a did have a 9-0 run after that to get back within 20, which kind of uh, inspired all kinds of sarcasm on Twitter because it was 29 and it was back to 20. And if you want to be positive, the Hawks did have a 21-7 run at the end of the third quarter to get within 15 points. And even as a pessimist, I did point out, like, look, this game's not over because the Pistons are so bad. And because the Hawks got, a, got a 15 points, we've seen the Hawks come back 15 points down in the fourth quarter many times in the last two seasons. And really, it was Bogey and Lon Wright making some threes late in the quarter. Bogey and Wright were four of seven from three in the third to get back into the game. But still, the damage was done for the most part. Just for one more one more time, a 23-0 run by the Pistons against the Hawks in the third quarter. That was the game in a nutshell. In the fourth, they had some chances to cut into the lead. The Pistons actually only scored two points in the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, but the Hawks kind of on cue went scoreless. So after they had some bright spots late in the third with some scoring, they stopped scoring and their opportunities kind of kind of vanished. Had they had a good start to the fourth quarter and maybe gone on like an 8-2, to 10-2 to two kind of run because the Pistons could not score, they would have had a chance in this game. But that was kind of their last opportunity to make this thing interesting. They went to Joe and Johnson at the five and tried to speed up a little bit with, with some mixed results there. 
I've talked about it a lot on the show, but for new listeners who might not be watching College Park every night, Jalen's played a ton of center at College Park. And there was some surprise when I mentioned this on Twitter during the game. And I'm not expecting Hawks fans to watch College Park. I, I totally get that. But Jalen's played a ton of center at College Park. And I know he's not a center full-time. I think he's going to be a long-term power forward. I know he's been built as a combo forward. But I've been saying all season long, he is playing more five than he is three this season. He's really more of a four, but still. But they tried that. And uh, I understand why they did it. In fact, if you're going to do it, they played him alongside DeLon Wright and DeAndre Hunter trying to play some defense and try to be a little bit faster. But it was kind of a party going to the rim for the Pistons, which is not exactly Jalen's fault. He's not the primary rim protector at this point in time in the NBA. But the offense didn't score either. And finally, the Hawks waved the white flag. They brought Trey back in. They kind of made it close enough where they brought the starters back in when they were down like 17, 18, 19 points. But when finally they had a call timeout with six minutes to go down 23, they called timeout. Trey comes out. They put in Kevin Knox and Gorgie Jang. And uh, it was pretty much garbage time from that point forward. So I wouldn't say the entire fourth quarter was garbage time because the Hawks did get back within 15 points. But on the whole, it was not a lot of competitive moments in the second half of this game. It's about the Hawks scoring 50 points after halftime. So as far as takeaways are concerned in this game, the offense scored less than a point per possession. That is very bad. So if you want to actually look at it, most of the losses this season for the Hawks have been defense first losses. They are obviously bad defensively this year, bottom five in the league. They're top five offense in this game by the numbers. The offense was the problem, not the defense. Now they both, I think they both were to be candid, but the offense was really bad. 40% from the floor, 32% from three, only 15 free throw attempts. That's very bad. Uh, 21 assists is below average for them. They got um, below average numbers on the offensive glass. Basically, the only thing that the Hawks did, even average in this game, was avoid turnovers. They only had 13, which is about what they averaged for, for, for the season. But every other number from points in the paint to three-point shooting, three-point shooting, et cetera, everything was bad on offense in this game. Defensively, they allowed about a 116 defensive rating. That's not very good, but it's not as bad as you might think in a game that the Hawks lost by 21 points. It's one of my favorite games when I, when I say this, but um, if I told you the Hawks lost this game by 21 points – I would have guessed their defensive rating was a lot worse than 116. It's still not good. I want to be honest about that because Pistons are pretty bad on offense. But Detroit shot the ball pretty well. They took 10 more feeders than the Hawks did, which is definitely a problem. They won the glass on both ends of the floor. 54 points in the paint for the Pistons in this game. So basically no one played well defensively with the exception of maybe like DeLon Wright. Maybe even Capella had a bad night for him. He was still their best defender, but that's kind of, kind of a low bar to clear in this one. And really the Pistons just kind of dominated the game in a lot of ways. Like we'll get into the player evaluations but before we do that, I just want to say, like, out loud, um, look, the Hawks losing this game, I, I, don't like, I, don't, I don't like to be hyperbolic. I really don't. It's kind of an embarrassing performance. And I think that I'm a big person who is advocating for context when evaluating results. And I did tell people on Twitter, I said this offline, I said it online today, like, always be wary of a road back-to-back in the NBA. It's nothing easy about that. And the Hawks were favored. I had a guy go back and actually in really smart fashion, like saying, look, I don't really trust the Hawks on the road right now. And, and you should with this loss, the Hawks were 13 and 23 on the road and they had not won back-to-back road games since December. That's three plus months ago. It's been a long time. So I'm not shocked by them losing this game by any means. I'm not even shocked by them losing by 21 points, but that doesn't mean that that's not a bad result. So like, I'm not someone who is going to go out there and bang the table and say like, you know, fire everybody, all that stuff. But like, if you're looking for a positive, you know, takeaway from this one, there really aren't many to find like Jalen Johnson, which we'll get into later on is probably the only one, but I mean, Mill talks about tired legs in this game. Look, they probably had tired legs. That's kind of the nature of the beast in March on a road back to back. But at some point, a team's got to find themselves ways to win games like this. And the Hawks won one 
on Tuesday. We talked about on this podcast extensively last night. Like they didn't play great on Tuesday either. Like, and that's a game I was actually kind of encouraged by because the Hawks didn't play very well in New York and they still won a road game. And that's not a small thing. It might sound like a small thing. It's not. But one day later, they played worse for sure. Pistons did play well, so credit to them. But the Hawks getting just blown out of the game in the third quarter, being down by 29 points in the third to this Pistons team with a lot on the line is just really bad. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to excuse it. So we'll leave that there for now. I'm not gonna you know scream and yell about Nate being fired or whatever whatever the Hawks fans want to do right now. But frustration is more than warranted after this performance, and that's all I'll say at this stage. Before we get to the rest of the podcast and player evaluations and look ahead at the rest of the week, a word from our sponsors on the show. It's March. It's that time of year, guys. The tournament is finally upon us in college basketball. But even beyond that, you can find everything possible in the betting world at betonline.net. All the latest odds, totals, player props, exotics, and much more. BetOnline has the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. And beyond that, it remains the best place for all of your sports scores, your podcasts, and your news this season. You can also find lines on the latest futures in the NBA. If you have thoughts on who will win the title this year or win a conference title or a division title or win the play-in, if you're a Hawks fan right now, for instance, and you can get a head start on the 2022 NFL season with look at headlines and futures on the football side at all times. And of course, not just basketball or football at BetOnline because they actually have a full slate of offerings and all kinds of sports to play with. And that includes UFC and MMA overall. You have boxing, you have hockey, golf, baseball, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, casino games, and much, much more. Head to BetOnline right now. Use mobile devices to learn more about all of the trends and all of the action today. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, and the player evaluations, whew, a lot to get to here, obviously. Um, no one was great in this game. Uh, even guys who had decent numbers did not play super well. The Hawks did have six guys in double figures, which is kind of funny, which is usually a good, a good indicator of balance, but not so much in this game. We'll save Jalen for the end of the bench, and we'll start with um, the guys who didn't play a ton, Knox and Jang. All garbage time there, so I don't really have evaluations for you on either of them. Gorgie made a three as he uh, put the shot put out. But other than that, not a whole lot going on. Akongwu was okay, um, except for the defensive glass where he struggled in this spot. He did have 11 points in 21 minutes, seven rebounds, but four offensive, had two blocks. He was one of their better players, I think, in the spot, but it also was part of the problem on the defensive glass in this one. Bogey just didn't have it. He made a couple threes in the third quarter along with Dolan Wright to make things competitive, but he was 5-17 for the floor, two of nine on twos in this one. I was worried about him playing too much in this one. I guess the, the one bright spot late in this game is that guys like Bogey and Trey, who've got a lot of miles on them, didn't have to close this game and play hard at the end because Bogey was listed as questionable in both halves of a back-to-back, played a lot of minutes, played a lot of high-leverage minutes, and uh, the Hawks have to have him at full strength. So he wasn't very good in this one, but I'm not really worried about that overall. Uh, DeLon Wright was okay. He actually made three threes for him. Uh, 11 points, four assists, two steals, and a block. He was plus four. He was the only uh, – him and Jalen Johnson were the only guys in the positive that played more than uh, more than six minutes. Um, I think DeLon was pretty good, but it wasn't like he saved the day. It was just like he was out there when they were having some better runs, but I think he played pretty well on the whole. Um, and lastly, Jalen Johnson. So did a little bit of this, of this earlier, more than I usually would in that first segment, but uh, Jalen had a career high, 11 points, a career high in 25 minutes, he tied his career high at seven rebounds. He had a steal. He had an assist. Two turnovers was plus three in 25 minutes. Um, five of six on twos, 0 of three on threes. Got the line, made, made his only free throw attempt. Um, we'll go a little bit deeper on him than usual here. Uh, I think offensively, it was good to see him as a cutter, as a spacer, 
Uh, he wasn't being guarded too terribly closely, but at least he shot the ball from three-point range, took, took three threes, missed them all, but I'm okay with that. Just be aggressive. He was probably more timid than you would want him to be, but like I said before, that's excusable for a guy who has not played in the rotation in a long time, who I'm sure had a lot in his mind swimming because I'm sure they prepped him for this game. He did look to be prepped and like he was going to be playing in this spot. And like he knew it, at least for the at least for today, he probably knew he was going to play. Um, offensively, like you definitely see the burst. Like that's not anything breaking news. Like the numbers in the G League have been off the charts good in terms of his counting stats. Those can be a little bit a little bit misleading in that the G League is a high scoring environment a lot of times, and like he's just too good, too athletic to not put up numbers in the G League. But his finishing is what it is. Like it's one of his strengths for sure. I think he settles too much in some respects for jump shots, but in this game, he really wasn't doing that. He was getting to the rim, being responsible, attacking, and the burst is undeniable. Um, also, McMillan talked about this after the game. I think he's hundred percent right. Jalen's rebounding is a big plus. Um, I said this and I don't mean to be like, it's not really me being negative about anybody else, but at the moment with Collins out, Jalen Johnson's probably the second best rebounder on the team uh, behind Capella. Like I, maybe a Kongwu, like, Pound for pound might be better, but given at least at least position for position, Jalen at the four is a much better rebounder than Akongwu at the five. So like, I'm not saying that's the reason that you have to play him, but I've talked about this for a, for a long time now. I'm sure listeners that are regular listeners of the podcast will know this, but I've been banging the drum for a long time since Collins has been out, especially. But even before that, go down the roster, Akongwu, bad rebounder at center, Gallinari who didn't play in this game but is a bad rebounder at the four. Hunter is a bad rebounder anywhere, three or four. Um, you know, the guard, like the wings, Herter and Bogdanovich are not great rebounders at all for their positions. So like, and Trey obviously is not a great rebounder either. So um, if you're looking for a spot where Jalen Johnson, beyond just his, you know, finishing and his upside and the developmental side would actually help the Hawks, it's rebounding. He is really one of the best rebounders right now. And that's a positive for him. I think defensively, I don't, I don't want to be too mean about it because look, it's a bad spot for him. He's coming in cold. It is pretty bad. If you watch the tape back, he had a lot of breakdowns um, and that's okay. I mean, it's, Rookies are bad. And it's something I always, I've said a lot. And this year I haven't had to say as much because he hasn't been playing. But if you're listening to this podcast for years now, I'm always someone that's going to tell you that the vast majority of rookies, even good rookies, even guys who I think are going to be great players on the line, guys like that are bad on defense for the most part. Like Evan Mobley this year is a giant outlier. Most guys are bad. And Jalen right now is a bad defender. And that's okay. He does have the tools though on the bright side to make those help plays, to make those explosive plays, the steals, the blocks, the huge rebounders. So like he could have those flashes, but possession by possession, you do see, and I'm not, I'm not excusing this. I want to be honest about that. I'm not excusing it, but if you're trying to find a reason why he's not playing, that is the reason I'm very, very confident in that overall though, a lot to like. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if he is going to play when Gallo returns. You know, I, I'm pretty confident that when Gallo and Collins both play, Jalen probably won't play, but Collins might be out for the season, as we discussed a few times recently. Uh, Gallo might play on Friday, but do they give him the backup power four minutes, or at least some of them? They've been playing Hunter there some. I think that'll, that'll probably continue, but do you give Jalen Johnson the TLC minutes, or at least some of the TLC minutes on Friday, even if Gallo comes back? I don't know the answer to that. Um, Nate was asked about that after the game gave a kind of a we'll see answer, which is what I expect it to happen. And I've said for a long time, even said today, multiple times on Twitter, it was tough for me to project Jalen to play until he actually played. Now we've seen it. So I can believe it more that it would not surprise me on Friday. If he was in the rotation, it also wouldn't surprise me on Friday if he wasn't in the rotation. So we'll see. And Nate is very unpredictable in that way. In terms of whether he'll trust a rookie like that. But I'd say if you're looking for one positive from this game, there aren't many, but Jalen playing 25 minutes of real NBA basketball 
is a positive. Him rebounding the ball well, him finishing well, career highs across the board. That is uh, what I have to leave you with in terms of uh, encouraging stuff in this game. And uh, just him playing at, at a sort of bare minimum thing at this point in time, but him actually getting some minutes in this game was uh, – it would have been infuriating if he didn't play, honestly. But he, but he, did, he did play, at least have some flashes, even if it was kind of a mixed bag, as you expect. To the starters briefly here, um, TLC, one of seven from the floor, one of six from three. He wasn't great. Uh, I think that, like I said before, I think the the, uh, the hate or dis- and sort of the disdain that he gets is very silly. Like, he's a very competent backup wing, uh, backup forward. Like, he's not great by any means, but it's not his fault they lost this game by any means. Um, we'll leave that there for now. Uh, Capella struggled on offense, did not rebounds in 17 minutes, didn't play a lot, and I think that was probably okay. He's, he actually was under the weather over the uh, over the uh, last couple of days, according to McMillan, so not a huge surprise there, but wasn't his best. I think there was some talk about this after the game. Um, Capella has still been playing very well for a few months. I talked about this last night, but he was excellent on Tuesday, so like he's due for a bad game. That's okay. Uh, Herder was bad, I thought, in this one. Eight points, three of 12 from the floor, one of five on twos, two of seven from three, two assists and a steal, minus 30. You know, what are you going to say there? Hunter uh, had a couple moments early as a, sl- as a, as a, as a slipper in screens, but um, 15 points is kind of probably overstating his impact. Defensively, he was pretty bad. Rebounding-wise, it's still been kind of a zero for a while now. No steals, no blocks. Defensively, it's kind of a mess. Um, middling performance overall. And Trey had 21-9, and nine, but uh, wasn't like he was explosive either. He was probably their best offensive player, as he usually is. But defensively, you know, it is what it is. And uh, kind of a B, sort of B minus, C plus, C minus kind of game from Trey. Nothing else to really get into on that one. As far as the stands are concerned, the Hornets did lose at home to the Knicks on Wednesday. So the Knicks did the opposite of the Hawks. The Knicks lost at home on Tuesday when they blew the lead to the Hawks. And then they go on the road on a back-to-back and win in Charlotte. A weird one there. Um, but I believe, as I'm recording, I'm checking this now to make sure. But the Pistons, yes, the Nets actually lost to the Grizzlies. So both the Nets and the Hornets lost. So if you want to be positive, the Hawks actually lost no ground in the standings. Um, they're, they're still only a game back of the Hornets and uh, trying to get to the ninth spot at this point in time. Um, from here, the Hawks have a day off for travel on Thursday after the back-to-back, and they return home to face the Golden State Warriors on Friday. Now, the Warriors have been floundering recently, but they had actually a kind of bizarre, really impressive road win tonight against Miami, in which Jimmy Butler had a kind of an altercation on the bench with Giannis Aslam, a weird one there. But the big thing there is that Steph's not playing for the Warriors. He's out. So the Hawks obviously could lose that game. No question about it. But in my mind, if as long as everybody's playing for the Hawks, they might even be favored in that game. As, as weird as that sounds, the Warriors without Steph on the road are not going to be the Warriors in the same way. But they still have talent. They still have Clay. They still have Draymond, et cetera. So that's not exactly an easy game on the schedule. And then they hit the road again after that. So we'll see how the Hawks respond to this. Uh, we'll see if Gallo plays. We'll see, um, you know, with lose back on, on Friday, et cetera. But you know, overall, a, a split on a road back-to-back is not the worst thing in the world, but certainly they did not play well in either game, and they played very poorly on Wednesday. So not a lot of encouraging moments. And the Hawks, of course, have nine games remaining in the season, which means even if they were to win out, which does not seem likely at this point, they would be at 45 wins. So for the first time all year long, the Hawks are now basically insured to be under their win total in the preseason. Uh, some of the outlets preseason, like Ben Online, had the Hawks at like 46-ish wins. Um if they went out, it'd be at 45. So uh, that, that dream is now dead if you were still holding an over ticket on the Hawks. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Some rambling here and some uh, some more lively moments than usual in some respects, but obviously uh, a weird one at the office. Uh, my plan, unless there is going to be some breaking news between now and then, will be the next podcast to be on Friday at night. In fact, it's going to be very, very late. I actually have some travel to do for uh, work purposes. Um, my apologies on that. I always try to get the podcast to you as fast as possible, but it's going to be either very, very late on Friday, like two, three in the morning, 
or it'll be maybe like first thing Saturday morning um, for the recap of the Warriors game. So my apologies there, but please subscribe to the podcast. I know that my listenership always drops after bad losses, and I totally understand that. But if you're listening to this all the way to this point, bless you for doing so. And also, it really helps the show if you go to different podcast platforms and subscribe and click around and download and leave five-star ratings and reviews. Also, tell your friends. Uh, do it on your desktop. Do it on your laptop, on your iPad, on your phone. There are ways to, to support the podcast. And those that, that definitely is across the board. And I really, really appreciate that. Also, we have a YouTube channel with that. I'm trying to grow it right now. If you're watching this right now, you can see my lovely face. If you want to watch that on YouTube, um, but please go ahead and subscribe to that as well and watch on YouTube, trying to get the watch hours up and the subscribers up on that. I'm aiming for a thousand subscribers by the end of the season. Um, the growth has been a little bit slowed recently, but I really, really appreciate everyone spreading the word on that. It's very helpful for me and my bosses tell me that's a great way to support the podcast as well. Please follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you in a couple of days.